You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. determined that it was going to be something that God wanted you to do, and you wanted to give God your very, very best. But God said no. If that happened to you, think back how you reacted. If it hasn't happened to you, think about how you might react. I mean, you've submitted completely to God. You believe He's leading you into a direction, and you're ready to go into that full guns, and you're ready to go into it full support, and you're gonna do the very best you can for God, and you're gonna do this mighty work that He's gonna work through you, and He says, nah. In today's message, Pastor Dave will remind you that sometimes God will call you to do something only to say no. This can be a frustrating experience. You are obedient and take the steps to obey, and God says no. Sometimes it's just about being obedient, like Abraham being willing to sacrifice his son. Now. Here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 7 as he begins his message, When God Says No. Open up the 2 Samuel chapter 7. We're going to look at the first part of 2 Samuel, verses 1 through 17. So if you have your Bibles, turn in there. And we'll get started for today's session as we move on now. Um, I've titled this message, When God Says No. Um, And we're going to look at David um, has a desire of his heart. He presents it before the Lord, and the Lord basically says no. But there's a little bit more to it than that. So we're going to look at this and and see what the Lord would say to our hearts. So, So I need to begin by asking you a simple question. Have you ever had an experience in which you yielded yourself completely to the Lord? You then had dreams or visions, and you set your heart upon those dreams or visions because you believed it was God's plan for you. You determined that it was going to be something that God wanted you to do, and you wanted to give God your very, very best. But God said no. If that happened to you, think back how you reacted. If it hasn't happened to you, think about how you might react. I mean, you've submitted completely to God. You believe he's leading you into a direction, and you're ready to go into that full guns, and you're ready to go into it full support, and you're going to do the very best you can for God, and you're going to do this mighty work that he's going to work through you, and he says, nah, no. This happened to me several times. I was sure God was going to do something. I sure, sure was God was going to do this great work in this one particular place. And I, in fact, I've told you before about the Bible study we had in Upper Township. We had 40 some odd people coming every single Sunday night. And we went through the entire book of Genesis, all 50 chapters. It was fantastic. I just knew the Lord was going to open up Calvary Chapel, Upper Township. I just knew it was going to happen. And I used to say, Lord, it's your Bible study. You can do whatever you want to it. I never dreamed he would close it. But he did. But he did. But he did. Maybe that's happened to you. Maybe you thought you were going to do a work for God, and all of a sudden it fizzled out. 
How did you react? It's a hard lesson. It's a hard lesson. But I found out in my life that sometimes God has so much more to teach me in his denials. God has so much more to teach me when he says no, more so than when he says yes sometimes. God has a lot to teach us if we're willing and if we want to listen. So as we come to this section of 2 Samuel, God has accomplished great things through his servant David. I mean, he has restored Israel to be one nation under him, one nation under God. And he has firmly established David as its king. This is an exciting time for David. He was focused solely on the Lord. The Lord was doing mighty things for him. The Lord was doing mighty things through him. And in the coming chapters, we're going to see some fantastic things. In fact, David's going to fight the Lord's battles and be victorious in chapter 8. He's going to share God's kindness to a member of Saul's family in chapter 9. And and he's going to defend God's honor in chapter 10. And all these glorious things that God is going to do. And this is what I love about David. One of the things I love about David is that even before David wore the crown, even before David was anointed king and sat on the throne, he served the Lord and he served the people in this capacity. In other words, wearing a crown and sitting on a throne didn't change David because his character and conduct was the way he lived before all that happened. And I guess what I'm trying to say in this and what I feel like the Lord showed me is you don't have to wait for a title to serve him. You don't have to wait until you're appointed someplace before you serve him. Before I became a pastor, I did all sorts of things serving the Lord. You name it in the church, I did it because I wanted to serve the Lord. So moving into a pastoral position was just like serving the Lord anyhow doing the same things I was doing. I taught Bible studies. I cleaned toilets. I ran the tape machines. I did some sound work. I sang on a worship team. I did all these things. It was just natural for me to move into this position because I had been doing it all along, serving God's people, taking meals here, treating, going to the rescue mission, ministering to all sorts of people. So we don't wait until we, somebody gives you a title. You see a need, you do it. You serve the Lord in that capacity. I love this about David. We can learn a lot from this. As I said, this is an exciting time for David. But what I like most about David is what he did in his downtime. You know what I mean by downtime, his leisure time. You know, when he wasn't being a king, when he wasn't out conquering the Philistines or or slaying giants. What did David do in his downtime? when there are no major wars to fight, when there are no enemies to defeat, and there's no major problems in the the nation. What did David do? Well, I can tell you what he did. He continued his relationship with the Lord. He continued his relationship with the Lord. He didn't come to the Lord just in times of trouble. David came to the Lord on a regular basis. Oh, I wish we would all just come to the Lord on a regular basis and find out how wonderful he is. Now, all of us will run to him in time of trouble. Absolutely. Trouble rears its ugly head. you got to pray for me, brother. Oh, you know, we're all ready all about the Lord. We should be doing this all along. Now, I'm not minimizing trouble. Trouble comes in all sorts of forms and ways. And we do need prayer. I'm not minimizing that. But this should be our lives. 
David continued his relationship with the Lord. He was constantly in touch with the Lord. David always wanted to improve the spiritual condition of Israel. David saw the people. He saw their need, and he wanted to improve their spiritual condition. David had a heart of a shepherd. He he was a shepherd, but he had a heart of a shepherd. He wasn't simply a ruler. He was their shepherd. He had a heart for them. And during his leisure time, David thought about the people. David thought about the need for God. And David made great use of his leisure time. He didn't sit around eating bonbons. He made great use of his leisure time. He didn't let anything go to waste. So 2 Samuel takes place during one of these down times. 2 Samuel 7. It begins with a conference between David and his chaplain, Nathan. Nathan the prophet. Let's look at verses 1 through 3 in 2 Samuel 7. Now it came to pass when David was dwelling in his house, and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies all around, that the king said to Nathan in the prophet, See now, I dwell in a house of cedar, but the ark of God dwells inside a tent of curtains. Then Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in your heart, for the Lord is with you. Now Nathan knew that the Lord said he would always be with David. Always be with David. David felt enormously blessed by God, but he noticed that something just wasn't right. Something was amiss. I mean, he was living in this beautiful palace made of strong cedar. He was living in this beautiful palace. God was living in a tent. David felt that that was wrong. What's wrong with this picture, David said? What's wrong with this? David builds himself a fine palace, and he starts to feel guilty that a mere tent represented God's dwelling place. This should be no surprise to us. Because David was a man after God's own heart, and he longed to honor the Lord in every way possible. In fact, in Psalm 132, specifically in verses 1 through 5, while David was in exile, he thinks these very things. Let me read you the first five verses of 132, Psalm. Lord, remember David and all all his afflictions. How he swore to the Lord and vowed to the mighty one of Jacob. Surely I will not go into the chamber of my house or go up to the comfort of my bed. I will not give sleep to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord. A dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. So this was always on David's heart. Finding a place for God. It was always on David's heart. It had been on his heart for quite some time. And he began this process by retrieving the Ark of the Covenant and bringing it back to Jerusalem. This is how the process began. He knew that the Ark was where the Lord saw his people, where the Lord rested between the cherubim on the Ark. David's desire, once again, a good thing. It was a good thing. So he shares his burden with Nathan the prophet. David asked Nathan the prophet for permission to build a temple. And while Nathan told David to do all was in heart, he wasn't really affirming that David's desire was God's will. Instead, he was asking the king to pursue his pleasures or his desires, then put them before the Lord and see what the Lord wanted them to do. And what does that tell me? Well, many of us, have visions, we have dreams, and we want to do what's best for God. We have ideas. 
We have ideas that are biblical, they're spiritual, they're noble. But these visions and dreams and ideas might not be what the Lord wants you to do. How do we know? Well, we move forward and we begin to see if the Lord's involved. We pray about this vision. We pray about this thing. We start to move forward to see if the Lord is involved. Others may come to you just like Nathan and go, yeah, do all that's in your heart. But it might not, it, what? It might not be what the Lord wants you to do. It might not be what he wants. So we should come before the Lord with these dreams. We should come before the Lord with these visions. We should tell them, Lord, if this is of you, we want to do this. Because if it's of you, you'll help us out. You'll get us there and everything's going to work out okay. Everything's going to work out fine. I know that you want to accomplish these things. And when they do, we give them glory and praise. If they're part of his plan. Remember, we are supposed to follow hard after the Lord, not make him follow hard after us and clean up our messes. We follow hard after him. We must seek him and allow him to guide us and lead us. Remember, where God guides, God provides. If God's not guiding, he's not providing. We have to always keep that in mind. Especially when we're in ministry, especially when we do things. We try to take everything to prayer here at the church. We try to take things into prayer. Should we do this? I don't know. Let's try and see if it's God. We go back all the way to 1 Samuel 14. David and Jonathan, um, excuse me, Jonathan and his armor bearer. I think the Lord wants to do something today. Let's go up and see what we can do. If it's of the Lord, he'll show us. If it's not, he'll show us. See, that's stepping out in faith. You can't step out in faith and fail. Not if you're stepping out in true faith. So Nathan says, do all that's in your heart. Go to the Lord. See what's happening. Now, this is the first mention of Nathan. David had other prophets around him, yes, but Nathan seems to be the prophetic voice of God during David's reign. It will be Nathan who confronts David with his sin in Bathsheba. It will be Nathan who anoints Solomon as king when David's gone. So David tells Nathan that he wants to build the Lord a house. And Nathan says, do all that's in your heart, basically saying, take it to the Lord. If it's the Lord, things will work out okay. So they go to bed for the night. They snuggle in their beds, and all of a sudden, a vision, bless you, a vision comes to Nathan. A vision comes to Nathan. Let's look at four through seven. But it happened that night that the word of the Lord came to Nathan saying, go and tell my servant David, thus says the Lord, would you build a house for me to dwell in? For I have not dwelt in the house since the time that I brought the children of Israel up from Egypt, even to this day, but have moved about in a tent and in a tabernacle. Wherever I have moved about with all the children of Israel, have I ever spoken a word to anyone from the tribes of Israel whom I commanded to shepherd my people Israel, saying, why have you not built me a house of cedar? Nathan receives this message from the Lord. Go tell the king this. Although the language is a little bit uncertain, if we go to 1 Chronicles 7.14, after David made his resolve known to Nathan the Lord, the Lord came to Nathan at night and says, Go tell my servant David, you will not build me a house. Go tell my servant David, no, you can't build me a house. 
The answer from God was crystal clear. No, David will not build me a house. No explanation. Just said with love. No. And that's how God works with us. You know the answers to prayer. You've said it to me before. God answers prayers in three ways. Yes, no, and wait. Here he's told David, no. But you're going to see that God wrapped up his no in some wonderful promises. That's what I love about God. When he says no to you, it usually means there's something really great that he has prepared for you. When he says no to this one thing that you really, really want, this one thing that you think of is him, God didn't want me in Upper Township. God wanted me here in Lower Township. This was God's plan. This was God's plan. Me too, every day. Every day I thank him. This was his plan. He didn't want me up there. He wanted Matt Stokes up there for Ocean City to go. That's what he wanted, because that was a big ministry. He didn't need me up there. He wanted me here. See, God says no, and then he has this wonderful things that happens. It's wonderful. I love it. And the message that he gives Nathan comes in two parts. It comes in two parts. The first part of the message, God basically reminds David that, hey, at no time have I asked anybody to build me a house. Have I asked you to build a house? At no time I've ever asked anybody. I didn't ask Moses to build me a house. He built me a tabernacle. He built me a tent. And he was perfectly satisfied, he said, to travel with the people in the tent. God was perfectly happy. So here the Lord says, I never even asked Moses to build me a house. One commentator said this that I read. David wanted to do more than God commanded. This is a wonderful place to be in our relationship with God. I like that. Wanting to do more than God commands. It's a wonderful place to be, but we need God's help to do these things. God has to show us that we're going to do these things. Sadly, most of us get stuck in thinking, how little can I do and still be blessed by God? That's wrong thinking, folks. We never really want to do what more than God commands, but David does. God said no to David. But then God continues in the second part of his message. His second part of his message to the king is wonderful. It's glorious. In fact, we call it the Davidic covenant. The Davidic covenant where God makes a covenant with David. It's a glorious time. It's a glorious picture. And even though God said no to David, he never says no coldly. Instead, he whispers into your heart that tentative word. He said, this is my word. It is well. It is well. No, you can't do this, but oh boy, do I have something for you. It is well, David. It is well. And the second part of God's message, God starts reminding him of all the things he accomplished through him and all the things he's done for him. Let's read 8 to 11a. Now, therefore, thus shall you say to my servant David, thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you out of the sheepfold from following the sheep to be my ruler over my people, over Israel. And I have been with you wherever you have gone and have cut off all your enemies from before you and have made you a great name like the name of the great men who are on the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them that they may dwell in a place of their own and have and no more and move no more, nor shall the sons of the wickedness oppress them any more as previously, since the time that I commanded judges to be over the people Israel. 
and caused you to rest from all your enemies. What was God saying? He was saying, David, you're a shepherd. You are a shepherd. I called you out of the sheepfold because I saw what was in your heart. I saw you protect those sheep. I saw you go after the ones that strayed away. I saw you come after the animals that tried to chew them up. I saw this. I know that you're going to be someone who cares for my people. You're going to take care of my people. And you could lead them and guide them according to all the plans that I have. Now, he said, now that Israel is in this land and they are at peace, David, they need a careful leader. They need one who really, really cares for them. Not a temple. That's why God called you, David. That's why I called you, to lead and shepherd my people. He wanted David to be a shepherd full time, not to worry about some construction. Not only did I remove you from the sheepfold, but I went before you. I took care of all your enemies. God had always been with David. We know that he protected him day after day when he was in exile, all the times that he could have been killed, all the times that Saul could have caught up with him. God was always there protecting him, helping him to prosper. And David's name became great in all the world. All the world knew of King David. All the world knew of King David and how great he was. I think we need to remember always what the Lord has done for us. I think at the forefront of our minds, we need to know what God has done to us, which led me to a small study. I went and did a small study on Monday morning, and I looked about the many blessings we have through Jesus Christ recorded in the Bible. And I started looking at these things. Besides the greatest gift of all, salvation and eternal life, I was able to come up with no less than 75 blessings that we have in Jesus Christ. 75 blessings that we have in Jesus Christ all throughout the Bible. 75 blessings. I think we need to remind ourselves of these. I think we need to remind ourselves of what God has done, not only on the cross, but what we have because of the cross. What the cross means to us and how we have what we have through that. Here the Lord is reminding David of all the things that he accomplished in David's life. The Lord says, I'll establish a worship center I'll establish a worship center. And if you go to Deuteronomy 12, the Lord declares there that he's going to choose a spot for them to worship him. He will choose a spot. He will choose the worship center. So when we get to verses 11b and 16, we come now to the actual covenant. Let's read them. 11b. And the Lord tells you that he will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you, who will come from your body, and I will establish this kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him, as I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. You are the book of 2 Samuel is a continuation of David's journey to the throne promised him years before. It follows his life and relationship with God, with his family, and with the people entrusted to his leadership. David has much to teach you, and we encourage you to continue studying this Old Testament book. 
If you missed any part of today's teaching on Assure Hope, or if you'd like to listen to additional teachings from Pastor Dave, visit assurehoperadio.com today. Maybe today, as you were listening, you found you have some questions about faith and maybe even about salvation. We'd be happy to talk with you and provide some resources to answer your questions and start you on a journey that will change your life for the better. Give us a call. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. And while you're on our website, visit the page How to Be Saved to read all about the plan of salvation God set up long ago. We'd love to meet you, too. If you're in the area, join us this weekend at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. You can find directions and more information at assurehoperadio.com. We'd love to connect with you on Facebook, too. Just follow the link on our page to follow us. We're coming to an end of our time with you today. We're so glad you took the time to study God's Word today with Pastor Dave, and we hope you'll join us next time as we explore deeper into the book of 2 Samuel, right here on Assure Hope.